We pray. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, our gospel reading this morning conjures up three images of the serpent. From John 3.14 we read, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. This verse immediately drives us to Numbers 21 and the first serpent. Here, the Israelites are on the cusp of entering the promised land, close to the end of their 40-year sentence of wandering in the wilderness. They had seen God provide them with manna and quail to fill their bellies, produce water from a rock to quench their thirst, all while God was causing their sandals and their clothes to not wear out, despite the harsh desert conditions and their ceaseless wandering. Now, while they are close to realizing the promise that God had for them, they grow impatient and grumble against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Numbers 21.5 The Israelites had received free food and clothes for decades, and yet they grumble and complain. They sin against Moses and against God. And we know from Romans 6 that the wages of sin is death. And so what does God do with these sinful and grumbling Israelites? Later in, Ro- in Numbers, we read, The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. And I want to draw your attention briefly to the term here, fiery serpent. Now, this is not a physical descri- description of the serpents. They were not literally on fire. This was to describe the effects of their bite. We believe that these snakes were most likely asps, and the venom they injected through their bite caused painful burning and swelling and ultimately death. Theirs would be a painful death, the judgment for their sin. Seeing their sin, we read, The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. The people repented. And so God told Moses to make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. Now this story in the Old Testament is a tidy little illustration of the entire narrative of Scripture. We see God's creative power by providing for all the needs of the Israelites as they wander. We see their fall as they rebel against God. We see the consequences of their sin, death, And that death leads them to repentance and God's divine act, which brings life and reconciliation. We also see here our doctrine of sola fide, faith alone at work in this story. To this point, Luther writes, just looking at the serpent did not affect the cure. It was faith in the word that did it. These people accepted the word of God as a reliable promise of healing and deliverance from the poison. And while this story serves to point us to Christ, as Christ is drawing the illusion to himself in his conversation with Nicodemus, it also serves as a mirror for our reflection. How often are we, like the Israelites, grumbling 
against God and one another. Today is Potluck Sunday. Very soon we will be possessing downstairs to enjoy a bountiful meal. No one will go home hungry unless they choose to. There will be plenty of food for seconds and even thirds. But do you ever grumble about potluck? Does it make service run too long or is the food not to your liking? Is the chicken too salty or dry? Or did the vicar take the last piece of chocolate cake that you had your eye on all morning? For which I do apologize in advance. <laughs> but we must admit that we live in a time and a place of great abundance. But we cannot deny that we grumble, that we take for granted the gifts that God gives us, that we grow impatient for God to answer our prayer according to our explicit instructions to him. Now this should not be a surprise to us. The same venom that caused the Israelites to die in the wilderness flows through your veins. It flows through my veins. And this brings us to the second serpent conjured up by our gospel message from John, the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Here in the garden, when Adam ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Adam was bitten by the devil and injected with the venom of sin. Or as Luther puts it more eloquently, for after the disobedience of Adam and Eve, we too were bitten by the venomous serpent in paradise. The devil stung Adam and injected his poison for which there is no cure. This resulted in Adam's death. By nature, we are all still subject to nature and have to die. And quote, the venom of sin injected into Adam in the garden infects us all still today. We are born in the condition of original sin. This original venom of sin continues to course through our veins. And the prognosis, the inevitable consequence of this poison of our sin is death. Which brings us to the third serpent. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The Son of Man is the third serpent. Startling, I know. I did not like the image myself, but nevertheless, it is true. It is jarring to our ears and sensibilities. We like to think of Jesus in much warmer and softer images. Jesus as the Lamb of God, the Prince of Peace, our wonderful Counselor. The reality is, we do not want to look or think of Jesus as a serpent, to see him as a serpent, because to do so, we must see our own sin. The heartbreaking reality is that God made him to be sin who knew no sin, as we read in 2 Corinthians. When Jesus is lifted up on the cross, he takes on your sin, he takes on my sin into his own body. As Peter writes, he himself takes our sins into his body on the tree. And as Luther elaborates, that Jesus Christ, our God's son, born of a virgin, became like us, condemned people, and hung on the cross like a poisonous, evil, and harmful worm. Yes, he resembles the serpent which got us into trouble in paradise, 
that is the devil. He was so despised, condemned, and rejected by the world that he was finally sentenced to an ignominious death and hanged as an arch-villain among the murderers." End quote. As the serpent on the tree, stricken, smitten, and afflicted, Jesus is, as Isaiah foretold, our suffering servant. Adam, in the garden, despised and rejected God, and so nailed Christ to the tree. The Israelites in the wilderness despised and rejected God by their incessant grumbling and turning away from God, and so nailed Christ to the tree. You and me, when we sin, despise and reject God, and so nail Jesus to the tree, for we all have the venom of sin flowing through our veins, the only result of which is death. But Jesus is not like the serpent in the garden who causes death. Jesus is the living embodiment of the bronze serpent that gives life to all who look on it and believe. To continue to quote Luther, Christ is also our serpent of salvation, a healing servant without venom. Christ has only the form of a serpent, and in this guise he possesses a power surpassing any salve. For he heals mankind and saves from sin, death, and damnation as the serpent in the wilderness cured the men of physical ailment. And it is here that I must admit that I have been a little devious with you this morning. I have preached to you verses from John, Paul, and Peter that brought the law down hard on you. But in each of these verses, there is a gospel message as well. In John 3, 14 through 15, and, Moses lifted up, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. From 2 Corinthians 5, 21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 1 Peter 2:24 He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds you are healed Christ must be raised up on the cross to take our sin upon himself so that we might be saved and now we like the Israelites in the wilderness who by faith in the word of God looked upon the bronze serpent and were saved, we too by faith alone may look upon our Savior raised on the cross and be saved. And there is another way to understand the Greek word, the Greek verb, hupsao, which is translated here as lifted up in our gospel reading. It also means to be exalted, and Jesus was exalted. He was raised up. Jesus was raised from the dead, raised from the tomb. 